cover story deals with a subculture of heavy metal music that some feel is sending a dangerous message to your kids. The forces of evil on the dark side of devil right. And I want to talk tonight about the devil and demons and witches and wizards. And we just mix it up with hardcore and aggression and come out with something that we face an original sound. Loud, fast, heavy, you know. Well, what do you got? What do you got? You're listening to Riff Worship, the podcast that attempts to answer the age-old question, what makes a riff? Why do we care about the riff? Talking about our favorite albums featuring riffs. I'm one of your hosts, Austin Paulson. With me, as always, are my friends in music, friends in riffs, Swindle, Dylan. Uh, Happy almost Christmas, guys. Yeah, I think a more appropriate lead for this episode would be what makes a holiday. What makes a holiday? What what makes a holiday? Isn't that that sauce you put on like eggs and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, holiday sauce. Yeah, holiday right, sauce, yeah. right? <laughs> what makes a holiday? Stress, anger. Uh, yep. Alcohol. Let's, <laughs> let's all come together, but like hate it the entire time. It's just <laughs> everyone's on it. Everyone's on like nine, and it just takes the one thing to push it past ten. Yeah. So everyone's just like. Think of it as like a chihuahua seeing somebody at the door. Everyone's at that level, just vibrating, pulsing. I'm I'm on the edge, and I will fucking snap. I am on the brink. Hey, honey, can you go out to the garage and grab the the big dinner plate? God damn it! Just flip everything. Like that's what? the thing that does it. Rolls forward out of the recliner because he's watching nothing on TV. Loses it, ruins it for everyone. That's I- Christmas. Uh, my family never drinks when we get together. Sometimes that seems kind of boring. Sometimes I'm very thankful for that because, <laughs> like, I would go the fuck off a lot of times if I had been having a couple drinks. I, somebody would say the wrong shit, and I would just be like, "Listen, I just think we need to get the guillotines and take." <laughs> so Eat the we're actually doing Christmas at my house this year. Oh boy! And um, we've never done it. And I've always stated that once you enter the door, it's like, yeah, politics is at the door. Yeah. If you want to go talk about that, that stuff's out on the front porch. You can have fun with that. And it's all just going to be like finger food. And I am probably going to do nothing but play what we're going to talk about today on repeat. Oh yeah. Well, I did want to ask, do you guys have like any traditions, any things that you watch, eat every year? Is there a thing that you like to do for crimbus usually when i was growing up my like family stuff for some reason always ended up on christmas eve uh and on christmas day i would just be done yeah and that yeah. was always nice uh as an adult me and my former roommate will we had a tradition where that we called taco christmas where we would just make tacos on christmas day every year i partook in in one of those at least for yeah. sure you, uh, we worked at a television station and, and, uh, we, I think we both had to work or I had to work at least. And you made them there. We both did. They were rad. They were good. We've all worked jobs where uh, we all had to work Christmas. And it's just like, ah, at this point, you're just like jaded by it. One year I was definitely stuck for the holidays and Swindle and I, uh, went to steak and shake for Christmas Eve or Christmas day one year. It was actually packed as shit. Oh yeah. For yeah. Steak and shake. Uh, it was probably Christmas Day. Yeah, it was a uh, so, time. 
I remember one year, uh, Christmas Day, Nick Ray and I went to the Denny's like in Franklin. <laughs> like that was our thing. It was like, he's like, hey man, what are you doing? I was like, not a whole lot. Yeah. He's like, you want to go get some food? What the hell else is open in Franklin? And like, for some reason, we decided against Waffle House for whatever reason. Mistake. But it was like we were in Denny's and just like spent two hours in Denny's. Because that's how long it took to get your food. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, over my hammy. God, I you've said it like those. multiple times on the show, and I, I don't yes, think yes, I know that's a, that is a memory of a tour. Um, so, what are your typical things you do on Christmas? Uh, we our Christmas Eve is like kind of like my family's Super Bowl. We I have a big family, and uh, we usually gather at my aunt's house. She makes like a big dinner. Um, you know, my family does drink on things. Or my family does drink on Christmas Eve. Uh, my aunt makes this like very strong punch and then gets <laughs> mad at everyone when everyone else is hammered. And she's just like, God, you guys can't even have like a civilized Christmas when you're just like, you did like you, <laughs> it's like that a meme of like Eric Andre where he's like, he shot Hannibal Burris. He's like, who did this? <laughs> like, mm, I don't know. See, I was thinking it was the Jim Leahy gif oh of sure like one shot of vodka and it's him stumbling down the stairs yeah sometimes it sometimes it's gotten away from us all um <laughs> lost in the sauce uh, uncle buck sometimes gets thrown on for sure any like john hughes type of movie um what you know I, my aunt likes to make stuff uh for christmas day, like christmas eve christmas yeah. day was usually at my like grandparents house and they would just order uh portillo's like just beef in a like in a jug or whatever and uh yeah you get they give you all the bread that you need you just heat it up and it's great um my grandmother uh would also sing happy birthday to jesus uh, with the port uh god rest her soul she was she's a great Amazing. woman uh she would get a portillo's chocolate cake light the candles every year and sing happy birthday to jesus that is that's something you yeah. gotta take to your grave like everyone yeah. needs to know that that is beautiful that time your mom sent you Giordano's was that was was that for Christmas? I might have been. You could do. There was a, like I think every like regional staple here has like some sort of like shipping thing now where they almost freeze it in like a styrofoam thing. But yeah, yeah. I think she sent me a couple Giordano's pizzas one year <laughs> in like a big box. It That's was right. Yeah. I was, was I was there for that. that I remember that. Bad. Yeah. Yep. I I distinctly remember that. Yeah, we've we've spent some holidays together. We're actually dressed well. At least Dylan and I are dressed pretty festive right now. Dylan, yep. let's let's give a little get a little look. See, uh, you let's may have to stand up a little bit, pan down on this one. I'll move the mic slightly. I wash myself with a rag on a stick. So, Lauren knew I was having a hard time finding one, and I just. You know, you look for like ugly sweater and they're kind of like in vogue now. And it's like no one ever actually wants to go buy one off the rack. Right. Because no. it's like, God, it's got like SpongeBob on it or something. Sure. And like I looked, I was hoping I could find like a King of the Hill one. Yeah. And no, she's like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, I got you. And it's vintage. I was like, all right. And this like rolled in today, like perfect timing. Beautiful. I was like, and it fits perfectly. It's like, oh, this is great. Yeah, mine's like, a, this is, I got mine last year from my uh my girlfriend's that dad. Is something. Shout out Ralph. Uh this was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that I is 
That cannot be worn around children. No. That is, but, that is obscene. No, no, no. <laughs> I have just been, we've been like researching today and before I've, we even like hopped on the call, I've just been like pressing this the entire time. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You can't, you also can't wear that to work. You, you no. accidentally squeeze that thing. You're going to get HR meeting called on. You. Oh man. <laughs> that is, that is intrusive thoughts. Um, <laughs> so um, I know my family typically gets together on Christmas day because yeah. it's like we get together, we get together around like noon or one. Um, and it's usually just like finger foods. No one really cooks anything. Cause like Thanksgiving is usually so like overboard mm-hmm. with that stuff. Um, but that, and usually I'll watch, usually it's not necessarily a movie. It's usually Christmas episodes of shows. I like on Christmas day. Now I'll watch movies building up to it. Um, but it's usually, um, the King of the Hill episode, pretty, pretty dresses. Um, <laughs> it's usually the first Simpsons episode. Um, yep. it's usually the Mr. Hankey episode of South Park, the original one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple other ones I'll just throw in there. Like there's a couple good office episodes and like typically anything that is like Christmassy that I remember as a kid, uh, I'll throw it on there. Um, yeah. But I usually finish it off with uh, takeout Chinese food. I got to. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, the Christmas movies are on in full effect yep. right now. I like how we're trying to retcon Christmas with the cranks. Don't know how that happened. No, we're just tr- that, treating that, that like a classic somehow. No. Um, the Bears play on Christmas Eve this year. So I'm not going to be at the stadium or else my aunt would kill me. But we'll probably watch them lose. Um, and then WGN um also plays like a special every year it's like the same thing i don't know why they do this uh just to like get people it's like some maybe that's like background noise i guess but mm-hmm. they show a like almost like a history of some of the programs that have aired on wgn where it's like bozo the clown or like oh, clutch cargo and like all these ridiculous things that my dad used to watch as a kid where um i, I maybe it's clutch cargo maybe it's like a different maybe it's like diver dan there's like a cartoon basically that's not really a cartoon because it's basically they drew the character and then they put the mouth through a hole and they just do the dialogue that way. But this thing airs every year and it's yeah, it's wild. Weird. Yeah, that sounds very weird. It's the, it was the future. That's the future swindle. Yeah, that's some nightmare fuel for sure. <laughs> um, of course, there's tons of Christmas songs uh, that get played every year. Lots of punk songs, lots of metal songs like the album we're going to be talking about today dylan uh i know this is like a reoccurring tradition for you uh-huh. what are we what album are we talking about today we are talking about twisted sisters final record a twisted christmas i received this album for christmas the year it came out uh i remember seeing the i remember seeing the video for oh come all you faithful really enjoying it and i was like oh this is like this is like equal parts like Mel Brooks. This is like Jackass. This is like schlock. It's, I love this. It's pure schlock. It's yeah. I was, not I was great, 16 when this came out. Oh, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's so and it's so good. And the guy looks like Peter Griffin. Um, it's, it's great. And I remember a buddy and I were like really stoked on it. And I think we did Black Friday that year. We just got up and we're like, let's just go watch the mayhem and Sue. And that's what we listened to on the way there, on the way back, all through around. Uh, and every year since then, I have listened to it on Christmas Day at least two times. Um, it's it's the best Christmas album to me. 
hands down. Like there's there's the classics. Uh, I'm a big fan of some of the 50s and 60s Christmas songs. A lot of the doo-wop stuff like the Ronettes. Um, those are great. Basically anything that was in Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, like all those are great. Um, you know, there's a few Christmas songs I'm a big fan of. I still think uh, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is coming to town is one of the best Christmas songs ever. You can't really beat it to me. Yeah. I feel like most Christmas albums that I've probably come across are in the corners of most thrift stores. Absolutely. Like people just get rid of them. If you've ever dug through the vinyl section of like a Goodwill, you'll definitely see like a million copies of the Colonel, like Colonel Sanders KFC Christmas album or something like I've that. I've never, ever even heard of that. <laughs> That's bullshit. I, it's it's like literally <laughs> every time I, I think I own at least two of them just because I was like, I was like, no one's going to believe me if I, <laughs> I got to get two. Like, I probably forgot that I had it. Um, also working in retail, you're just like oh. constantly subjected <laughs> to the same five Christmas songs done differently, you know, by whoever, like the Jackson five or, you know, just a million Christmas songs. So I think the one that always gets referenced a lot when it's like working retail is the Mariah Carey track, right? When I worked at the mall and I worked there for, I think, two, three years, whatever it was, uh, it was, I can't, I don't remember the tune, but it was a Christina Aguilera Christmas track. And I would get to the mall every single morning around the same time. And as soon as I would walk in the door, that track would kick on. And it was like on the same loop of all the songs all day. So when I would leave at night, the same track would kick on. Um, and to this day I get, I have PTSD from that track. <laughs> like, I just can't hear it. It's, you know, it's like Chappelle when he's realized he gets the Mary Oprah and he's, you know, hoarding all the money. No, no. <laughs> like it's, it's that as soon as I hear it, <laughs> Lauren loves Christmas music, by the way, loves it. That's fair. I, I don't mind. I think it, it's fitting. You know, I don't, I don't normally play it in the car. I'm sure there's like, you know, those some odd radio stations that, yeah, we'll just shift over to that, you know, whatever Kiss FM or something like that. It, it's fine. It doesn't like bother me. Like, I think I had to be broken down over several years of retail <laughs> for me to like a crazy person just to be able to like stomach it every day. Now I don't the even dogs like, barking uh, jingle bells yeah. like Clockwork Orange. Somebody just like, <laughs> yes. oh, fucking sat you on a chair, strapped you in and like held your ears open and it made was, you listen to Christmas music. That's until it. You bled. Oh, my God. It's. It's like water torture for you. It's like being waterboarded. But I will say this is definitely far more tolerable than a lot of that stuff for me, at least. I, you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's a very tongue in cheek record. Oh, it's kind yeah, it's of a, absolutely a, an odd choice to make as your final record, but fun record nonetheless. Fun record. It seems it seemed odd to me too. It's, you know, when it came out, it's like I know I knew Twisted Sister, I knew D Snyder, which we're going to dig into that. Um, from, you know, watching like VH1, the classics and, um, my favorite band, all those like different year rundowns, like D was everywhere. He was kind of like a talking head on those shows. Like Scott Ian was, he was on a million things, but throughout the years, you find out that like, he wrote a song, he wrote a Christmas track for his wife in dedication to her that Celine Dion picked up and put on her first English speaking Christmas record that sold like 6 million records. So he wrote this track. It's just like, eh, it's a throwaway. You know, it's here's for my wife. I'll sing it to her. And she picks it up. And this was during a time when like D was broke, like 
driving back and forth on a bicycle to an office job, making like $200 a week in the nineties. Um, and he wrote that song. So like, there's kind of a beginning thing. Maybe the guy just likes Christmas songs. The band was, you know, especially during that time, the band had already been broken up. You know, oh yeah. This it's kind of hard to think of a, when I think of Twisted Sister or like growing up and, and hearing Twisted Sister the, for the first time, I just always figured they were around and making records and, and doing their thing. And, you know, I, w- I would say that their commercial peak initially was very short lived. However, the band itself was basically, if you watch that documentary they did some years back, it's, it, you know, it, they'd been grinding for like, 10 years before yeah. they really ever saw a break. They were like basically a club band for, for, for many years until they, uh, I think they put out under the blade on kind of an indie label mm-hmm. and then they did stay hungry and um, it just blew them up. That was a huge, huge success for the band. You know, that was, that was a good instance of a band being at the right place at the right time, having some pretty catchy, like, yeah, they were heavy in a sense. They were rock and roll songs. Like they were just kind of hard rock songs, but they were catchy in a sense that anybody could hear them. They had they were like earworms. They had great hooks. Uh, MTV was all over those music videos for the for that album, which were uh, we're not going to take it and uh, I want to rock. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like MTV jumped all over those, and the videos had like a story arc to it, which you know, seg- you know, goes a further with of, this album. A lot of like references to pop culture too. I mean, yeah. uh, we're not going to take it. Had like Niedermeyer from uh, Animal House. Yeah. I think uh, a couple. Of, He's in why I want to rock too, I yep. believe. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, they were just basically in your face, like seemingly out of nowhere. And now they're like in every home, you know, in the United States. And so once they found success rather quickly with, uh, stay hungry. They try to well, like, how do you follow that up? Do you try to make a uh, similar kind of metal minded album? Do you try to go for a more commercial, more accessible route? I guess they tried to have the best of both worlds. Uh, and that's kind of where come out and play essentially happens in 1985. Um, not, a, not, a, not as good. Uh, no, they say I've heard some, uh, reviews of it being kind of flat. Um, you know, the band, I don't think personally that when I kind of look back on it and compared it to stay hungry and maybe some of the other stuff the band's done, yeah. there's not as many songs really on that record in particular. I like leader of the pack, although it's like, it's, it's a cover that also a very, it's got like the video has like Bobcat Goldthwait in it. And, um, the car going off the cliff. Yeah. As well. It's, it's ridiculous. This band loves a ridiculous music video. Um, they tried to tour on it. It wasn't very successful. Uh, they ultimately like had low attendance and couldn't get people in seats and then they canceled it. I think he, uh, had said he, he claimed that maybe there was a problem with his throat and that wasn't the case. They were just not doing too well. They had like dock and open and even that they were at their commercial height as well, or at least they popped off right around then. It it just didn't help at all. You know, a lot of those bands from the eighties, especially in this the genre that this band gets lumped into, which is the hair metal genre, glam metal, which other than like kind of the over the top drag influenced uh, image, like that's really the only thing that kind of tied them in with that music. It's, it sounds more like eighties or seventies arena rock to me. 
you know, big sustained chords, that type of thing. Uh, they weren't as sleazy as some of the other like hair metal bands, but like a lot of those bands from that era, they kind of fell into sophomore slump. Um, they couldn't really meet it. Like there's a few that did a really good job, but a lot of them just couldn't come up with it. You know, I dove down this rabbit hole with a lot of these records in the last couple of years and I'd listen to album one and it would be fun or it would at least be enjoyable. And then you get the album two, and it's like, Oh wow. They're searching. They don't know what they're doing. No. And, and you know, like I said, there's a couple things on there. Um, they have a be cruel, to, be cruel to your school, which has like everyone from like Alice Cooper to Billy Joel on it. But you know, where a band was had like the full support of MTV, this video gets banned. They didn't get any airplay on this video for MTV. So there, you kind of have that cut out from under yeah. your feet. Is this during the PMRC issues? I think it's around the same time. Yeah. So he's in this, you know, he's in the spotlight. He's in the forefront. And, you know, maybe there's a little of that. Maybe there's like overexposure as well. Maybe people just weren't into it anymore. I'm not really sure. Uh, but it it just didn't it just didn't pop like the last record. So um, D essentially had the idea of writing another record, but he had intended it to be a solo record. He thought, okay, well, maybe if I take a step back and do a solo record for myself, then maybe we'll give, I won't leave Twisted Sister, but maybe if it t- we take a break for a couple of years, you know, step out of the public light for a little while, get refreshed, and we can circle back to it and then see what we need to do. And so he intended to write a solo record. I think he, uh, he recruited, he tried to recruit uh, Janet Jeers or Gers. I have never known how to pronounce his name of Iron Maiden. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, he did essentially write uh, a record with uh, Joey Franco, who would replace uh, AJ Perrow of Twisted Sister. AJ would leave and uh, rejoin a band called Cities that he was in. Uh, so Joey Seven Franco would replace him on drums. And so him and Joey kind of crafted some demos for this record. And I think they wanted to release it through the label at the time, which was Atlantic. And they were not having it. They were like, no, you should you need to brand this as a Twisted Sister record. Yeah. And so it's really only like a Twisted Sister record by name. It, it should really be a D. Snyder record. And I think, you know, it has like uh, players like, uh, I think, uh, what, uh, Kip Winger and another member of Winger were on it before they yeah. started that band. Uh, Steve Whiteman of Kicks is also on it. And then you have like the various members of Twisted Sister. But in, you know, it's more truthfully, I think, a... D. Snyder record. I'm of course talking about Love is for Suckers in 1987. So it's it's funny to talk about the the album that came after Still Hungry because you know we're talking about it almost like it was a commercial flop. It went gold. You're talking about Come Out and Play? Come Out and Play, yes. Yeah. So you're looking at an album that came out in 85 that went gold. Um, but you know, Still Hungry or Stay Hungry, they re-recorded it and it became Still Hungry. Um that album sold two million copies, I think, around that time, which it shows it shows the weight of what a platinum record versus a gold record during this period of time was, especially if you're going from platinum status to a gold status record on your next album. Um, now you would just look at it and go like, well, we missed the mark with that one. We'll just do another one kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it's I think you hit the nail on the head with maybe it was just some overexposure um, for this band because they were everywhere. This was during a period where they were everywhere. They had already been you know, not necessarily touring, but they had been gigging massively hard for 10, 12 years uh, before, you know, Stay Hungry came out. 
And I mean, even to a point that I think on a European tour or a UK tour for uh, Stay Hungry, Metallica opened for him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that is the tour where they lost all their gear, uh, which inspired Fade to Black on uh, Ride the Lightning. So this is like during the Kill 'Em All era. It was probably it was in between Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. Um, but it it just shows that you know a band as successful as Twisted Sister was for that period of time, we'll say two years, maybe a year in particular. Um, that album comes out, massive hit. The album that comes after it, you know, maybe didn't have the same didn't have the same juice as the album before it. Uh, and then you know D has an idea. I want to go solo for a while, give the band a rest, give everybody a break. The label's just like, absolutely not. Uh, we're going to have none of that. You're going to put out a Twisted Sister record. You know, the release of Love is for, Love is for Suckers, the, the, the quote-unquote solo record, um, I think it lasted probably like two months. D leaves Twisted Sister, the label kind of drops their contract, and the band essentially disbands. Uh, I think they would kind of reunite a handful of years later, uh, D did a movie called uh, Strange Land. Yeah, he did a movie yep. called Strange Land, and so they wrote a song or they recorded a song for the movie. Have you ever seen that movie? No, but I know he plays a character called Captain Howdy. Yeah, he um, plays I've never seen it. I know it is kind of like a a BDSM horror film of yeah. sorts. Yeah, um, I've a- never seen it, but I've seen him in the makeup. Mm-hmm. Is like, that it's a reference pretty- to the song? The one of the songs from that first album, like the uh, Horrorteria or whatever. It could be. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I, I know the name Captain Howdy, where it, we all know where it came from. It's The Exorcist. That's oh. the name of, <laughs> yeah, it came from The Exorcist. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's where Captain Howdy came from. Gotcha. Um, I've never seen it. I've seen stills from it. I've seen uh, Snyder in the makeup. Uh, it's pretty, pretty wild looking. Um, I have heard people tell me it is one of those movies you watch and just go, it would be something all of us would watch together and thoroughly enjoy for multiple reasons. Next year's list. It's got uh, it's got Linda <laughs> I mean, Cardellini in it from Freaks and Geeks. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Pena, who's in uh, Rush Hour. Uh, Woody Harrelson's Woody brother. Woody Harrelson's brother. <laughs> and uh, Robert England. Uh, there you go. Ray Kruger. Perfect. So, is, that, you know, is Woody Harrelson's brother billed as Woody Harrelson's brother? I, I hope so. His name. I fucking hope so. <laughs> That's how I'm billing him. <laughs> So they do some like brief reunion stuff like that, recording a song for a soundtrack, essentially. Uh, they would kind of regroup after 9-11. They, they uh, kind of re- reunited for a, a, like a benefit concert for... Um, Still workers, right? Yeah, uh, something like that for yeah people affected in the, in the events of that. And so once the benefit concert plays, they then begin to start playing festivals and the headlining festivals around the world. Uh, that they've reunited. So um, after this, though, it's like, okay, you you kind of have a choice. Like, would you, when you reunite, do you record new music? Do you write new music? They really haven't. They haven't done anything like that. So like you said earlier, they re-recorded uh, Stay Hungry, Still Hungry Now, mm-hmm. in 2004. And then, you know, basically, I think around this time, they would do some rehearsals and I think D just kind of had one of those like shower moments or shower thoughts where, Oh, Hey, we're not going to take it. Sounds like 
oh, oh, come all ye faithful. And that kind of, <laughs> they're just like dicking around in practice as yeah. we often do as musicians. Uh, that happens. They kind of play around with it and they're like, oh yeah, it does. And this, the, the idea kind of spitballs from that. Like, oh, I mean, Twisted Christmas. We could do that. We could write a whole album around that. Marketing at its finest. Pretty much it. How, how can you not? If you can input your band's name, logo into whatever it is, look at Kiss. They've done, thank you. They've done a tremendous job at it. If you can input that and make a pun out of it, a Twisted Christmas, um, you know, all sorts of stuff, like go for it. Why not? And if you're a band that is having a reunion and you don't want to record new material, and you want to do something fun that maybe you're going to enjoy, and maybe a lot of other people get a kick out of. Um, you know, everyone loves Christmas. Maybe um, <laughs> th- these guys in this band definitely do. Oh, yeah. uh, at least D does. Um, and it's, you know, it worked out. It worked out pretty well, I'd say. For it to be their last record, again, it's kind of weird. This is like they've. They play, they continue to play after this. They just, this was it. It featured the band's classic lineup. You have Dee Snyder, JJ Friends, uh, Eddie Fingers, uh, Mark the Animal Mendoza, and AJ Perro on drums. There are a lot of drummers nicknamed Animal. Yeah. Well, the bass we player is Animal. Oh, we had a different episode where somebody uh, was nicknamed Animal, and I joked like i'm just glad that dude from the muppets got a job on an yeah. album it was our That's motorhead right. episode yep. filthy animal taylor <laughs> filthy <yeah>. animal <laughs> so this album features classic lineup it's also kind of it's produced by the band essentially um so you kind of keeping it in house fun little thing produced by um by jj french and mark mendoza i believe um which is you know, keeping it in the house, saving a little bit of money. Uh, it seems like the other mixers and engineers on the record or assistant producers, uh, whatever title they're they're using for them, uh, were probably just there as like other friends from like New York and New Jersey. And like, hey, uh, I think one of the guys, David Wong, I believe that's his name. Um, I believe he had a lot to do with maybe some of the orchestrations you hear on the album, some of the uh, maybe symphony instruments because he has from what research I did, he has background in nothing but that. So it definitely sounds like they're like, Hey, we want, you know, we want, um, we want string instruments on this. We want, you know, you know, horns, anything like that, which are basically as soon as you turn the record on, there's horns. Yeah. It starts acoustically with like a horn in the background. Uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. So like, it's definitely in-house productions, probably some studio that, you know, they're all, they're close to. You said yourself earlier, uh, keeping it in-house friends, George Marshall is an assistant engineer on this record. Uh, I believe in our notes, uh, he worked with uh, D on some solo records as well. Yeah, I, he did that. And he's got like a weird, it, it also kind of ties into New York. He's got a couple weird like credits, right? Um, he has done like some slam death bands, which is really odd. It's New York. You know, there, there's kind of a history of that there. He did a band called Buckshot Facelift. That's like a grind band that has the vocalist known as Big Will uh, that is in uh, Afterbirth and was formerly in Artificial Brain. So there's a weird little New York thing. Do you think they had Madball or the Cro-Mags or anything in the studio? 
That's those were the backup vocals for uh, heavy metal Christmas. You know that I I can't wait for us to talk about that part. That's one of my favorite parts on the record is like how thick those accents are. With that <laughs> is so good. It just fits to like oh, just tongue firmly planted yeah. cheek with all that. This record's definitely got like scratches and hairs and, and and moles and all that. Like it's it's on there. Like it is a it's a produced record. It's not. You know, you hear the vocals. You can hear like things that are maybe not in pitch, but it sounds good. It sounds like a true to form kind of rock and roll record. Uh, you know, nothing's completely, nothing so hyper edited that it sounds fake. Uh, nothing is like compressed beyond belief. It's all there. They're all pretty live performances. Uh, everybody sounds good. The drums, uh, they sound like, kind of like some John Bonham shit not in they're the way huge. They're, not in the way that they're played but like how they sound like they sound like there's a lot of fucking reverb on them but not fake not like reverb from the mixer like they did it in a big, a room. big room yeah right. yeah i mean just from the opening track uh you can that that roll that kicks it in when it goes from like the softer part to the you know more traditional part like Oh yeah, that room reverb is all over that. They also um, again, it's it's kind of like us when we're sitting in a room together, you can't have a serious moment. This band is like constantly oh. just utter undercutting themselves with like <laughs> skits to like, hey, here's this like sweet and obviously it's purposeful, but uh, you know, it, I'll say this, at least it wasn't a record scratch. I would have been really fucking annoyed if it just been like like no it's time to rock and roll but i did like this twisted sister yeah this This. yeah that was fun yeah they had to throw a skit in there because they're the whistling jokesters yeah that was great and then of course it ends with the ramones nod as well ho ho i love it yeah which also ramones come on one of the best christmas songs of all time merry christmas i want to fight so um I want to bring, I didn't touch on it earlier when you go in through the lineup of this band, but uh, Mark Mendoza, the bass player was in the dictators, which is a New York punk rock band. Um, and like, maybe not as known as, you know, some of the bigger names, but they're, you know, they were still one of the forefront bands of punk rock. So um, getting that kind of like New York punk rock tie in there was really cool. I mean, these guys are all from New Jersey, New York, you name it. They're all from that area. Um I mean, we've already kind of started going into the tracks a little bit here, especially with, um, you know, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Right. I feel like we should know, and if you're not familiar with this record, I, I said earlier that it is not an original record for the lot of, a lot of it. They do put their own flair on it, but the point of the record is essentially taking classic Christmas songs and doing them through the Twisted Sister filter. And boy, do they ever. Oh, Come All Ye Faithful is literally... It couldn't be more just a mixture of literally a Twisted Sister song. It is just, we're not going to take it. That's yeah, it. That's it. The, the video is reminiscent of we're not going to take it. Even the the actress that plays the, I guess, the um, antagonist even looks like the... Uh, like Niedermeyer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, even looks like Niedermeyer a little bit. And there's no relation. I've looked that up throughout the years of like, surely there's a relation there. <laughs> Nothing. They've met and it's hilarious. That's awesome. Every um, time Dylan watches the video he's like that's got to be on the internet now like <laughs> he searches every time Any are they related now. yet are and they related yet <laughs> i when i saw that video i was like this is i grew up watching mel brooks stuff i grew up watching 
you know, old Acme cartoons, uh, the everyone, anyone from the South who's been to their grandparents or something has probably seen that Ray Stevens videotape. Like there's just slapstick shit in that. I got a lot of this. And then obviously like in my older years, like my teen years, jackass was slapstick to me. So like, this is just a good melding of all that. Um, and I saw that video and was just done. Like, all right, this record's perfect. Um, with that video and that hilarity, what I didn't know is I thought that was the only video they did. Uh, obviously we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, but it is, it's literally just, we're not going to take it. It's even got the opening cowbell and drum riff. It kicks in, but it ends with the best mosh call you could ever have is like a hard rock band, like wall to wall, side to side, whatever you want to do, bodies on top of bodies. I can't pronounce this, but you guys sure can. Oh, it's uh Haba Nagila. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time of recording, happy Hanukkah to folks who celebrate that. Big true. And Twisted twist Sister didn't want to forget about you, so they threw in a riff for you. They sure the did. Riff. And it's the biggest it riff. Is it is huge. Good. The only other song I've ever heard that in is, uh, is it I'm the Law or I'm the Man? That oh, has they that. do. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Anthrax definitely. Obviously, uh, Scott Ian, uh, you know, is one of the, the chosen people. And yep. uh, he. Uh, Old Baldini. They had like, you know, speaking of sweaters, they did an anthrax like Hanukkah. Uh, I remember that sweater one. as well. I think they ha- had to stop making it, but they 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 started. Ma- it was like um, kind of a, an interest like all Slayer had a Christmas one. All the metal bands, they probably cost like Air- $70 or some shit. Like oh, that. yeah. Every single one of them did. Um, but yeah, the riff. Uh, well, I did see them perform this on Jay Leno. I found some footage of that, which that that's uh, fun, too, you know. And then, uh, yeah, it was like <laughs> Twisted Sister with like Dakota Fanning and <laughs> Aaron Heckart just standing idly by just watching the it was they'd been like a band for like 30 years and they're like yeah. performing this on Jay Leno. All these like 40 <laughs> plus year old guys in like, I mean, they were all based. D wore shoulder pads. He wore football shoulder pads like because they were in full regalia like they're It's the vintage look. They're all but they're like. There's that many more years, so they look a little bit different. It's like, I, I think a couple of them have beards now, mustaches now, like it's a little bit different. It's like, it's still just so camp and so much fun. A lot of these songs, too, we should uh, mention, are either inspired by the band's own music or by bands that they grew up listening to and took a lot of influence from. So obviously this song is just a direct ripoff of We're Not Gonna Take It, their own song. The next song, however, to me, sounds like an Iron Maiden riff. It sounds kind of like the galloping riff of like Power Slave or something like minded in the Iron Maiden camp. White Christmas, um, which features some guest backing vocals by none other than Doro Pesh. Um, Yeah, this is a a fun one. But yeah, like you go through the record and you can kind of hear the influence of, you know, they picked out a particular band that they wanted to kind of recreate yeah white christmas when i heard it for the first time it it sounded to me like an iron maiden rip so it's funny that you say that i i didn't i didn't catch that actually um but i caught the original um twisted sister riffs that were in there like a little bit of i want to rock a little bit of smf uh that was in there um but i didn't now i've got to go back and actually obviously i'm going to listen to this record multiple times before the end of this month um, but I got to go back and hear that now. It's like, oh shit. Like 
if it's it's so cool to know like they're fans of this form of music too that it's like oh yeah let's throw a couple nods into this um Doro Pesh great vocalist probably um I we I know very little about her I know that she's got a band called Doro I think she was in a band called Warlock yep maybe yeah, yeah. at one point but she kind of has that like Udo thing going on uh big vocals um has done a lot of guest stuff she actually guested um I think she did the vocals on Love is Forever on 1916. She did the backing vocals. Uh, if she didn't do it, there's a performance with she and Lemmy doing it. Uh, that went really well. Um, White Christmas, as you said, it's got the Power Slave kind of vibe to it, the triplet feel. Uh, we go right into I'll Be Home for Christmas, which has a co-lead vocal spot, which I think is great. Yeah, Lita uh, Ford. Lita Ford. is a sucker for duets. I've cor- hey. got to remember the Aussie one. Uh, oh, close my uh, eyes forever, whatever. Close my eyes forever. Yeah, she's a sucker for that uh, type she, of shit. She, she's got her buddies. Um, <laughs> I mean, my favorite fun song. Movie, my favorite movie. One of my favorite Christmas movies. I shouldn't say it's my favorite, but old uh, J Double T. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> Man, um, it's so hard to watch Home Improvement now because Tim Allen is a uh, is a schmuck. Um, is a schmuck there. Thank you. Yeah. Is a schmuck. Um, but man, I loved home improvement growing up. I fucking loved, it. of course he did. He made all the stupid noises. I loved it. It excited me. And then seeing like Al it Borland, it's like, ah, it's one of my uncles. <laughs> um, like I loved it. Um, but to kind of touch on Christmas movies, the first Santa Claus movie is second to none. That's pretty great. It, it took me a while as a, as an adult that mm-hmm. the Santa Claus like a legal clause, my brain just did not yep. connect the two. And it's like, yeah, no, it says it right there in the thing. What I don't know what the whatever that's called. And it just yep. like my favorite joke in that whole movie is 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 at the tail end when he's getting ready for his first official Christmas as uh as the fat man. And um they're they're souping him up, they're giving him a flame retardant suit. They're, you know, they're getting him set up with all this stuff and just keeps asking, what happens if I fall? What happens if I fall off the roof? And no one answers it. They don't care. They just keep going. Popo Shisho. Popo Shisho. The bass at the end of the song is uh, the like last run through of the chorus is crazy. He's really going going at it. We were talking about this off off air. Uh, and now it makes more sense because I forgot that Mendoza like did engineering and mixing. So of course he's playing like all these wild bass parts on this thing. Like it's he's all over every one of these songs. Like he's doing. I mean he's got a he's got a bass solo in the next song uh, at the end of Silver Bells. Well, if you're just like having fun with it, like yeah, who cares? Like honestly, who gives a shit if you're you're just like yeah, this is the most ridiculous thing that we could possibly do let's just go for it. Like who cares? Every instrument is mixed pretty well on this. Like you can tell who's playing what, like the bass is obviously a fundamental instrument, but he's still mixed enough that you can hear him in the mix. It's not like you have to really hone in on it. Um, Silver bells is the second music video they did for the album, which is a continuation of the first video, uh, kind of throwing it back to stay hungry has the same actor and actress in it. This has one of the most terrifying yet hilarious scenes in it. There's a point where it shines the camera on this couple's baby 
and the head is gone and it's been it every different point it shows the baby it's different members of the band's face oh god i do yeah so, uh. it's just d on a baby's body oh i think that's the thumbnail of the video and it's like oh thank you this song again done in twisted sister style kind of a nod to acdc in that yep. uh from a song called problem child which i'm not familiar with austin what album is that on and what's kind of the history with uh, that one? couldn't tell you it's probably the it's probably the one where they play uh c and g and uh <laughs> a maybe i want I'll, I'll i'm gonna guess i think it's on dirty deeds but i have no idea so probably the bond scott it's era, a, it's a bond scott area for sure okay. yeah i just don't, um i couldn't I, I i do know the song i like the song i like that era of the band probably the mm-hmm. most but um yeah did it ACDC do a Christmas track? They did. It's a mystery. I-, I want a mistress for Christmas or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> Classic ACDC fashion. Oh, man. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. That's up, there with, oh. that's up there with Porky Pig's rendition of Blue Christmas. Oh, I don't know. If I'm not familiar. You've never heard that. Is he just stuttering, right? He's just stuttering. Yes. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus as done in the style of old Judas Priest. The thing that stood out to me about this song the most is, I'm really sorry to D. Snyder's dad who found out because of this song that D. Snyder's mom <laughs> kissed another man all those years ago. Mom, Mama D. Mom Mama Snyder. D. <laughs> I wish there had been a video for this and it had just been D. Snyder in his mother's like clothing, kissing a man dressed up as Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> some, some bugs bunny shit of just like yes uh, just, yes just uh, like it yep that would have been amazing hey lover boy oh beautiful <laughs> um let it snow let it snow let it snow another traditional christmas song uh done in the style of okay so rock and roll saviors the intro of that sounds a lot like children of the grave so this to me sounds like Children of the Grave. It does sound like, yeah, it definitely does. But when you listen to Rock and Roll Saviors, you go, oh, it's obviously more of a nod to that, but I think the way it's paced, it's supposed to be Children of the Grave and that. Uh, but it's a very cool rendition of it. It's that same kind of like, it sounds like a master of reality groove, like going into it. And it's, it's really cool. And to hear those like, you know, Children of the Graves about what it is and then hearing like Christmas lyrics over <laughs> it, it's just icing on the cake, man. Like this is such... I can I gush about this record starting in like October and it's like this is such a fun fucking Christmas record to to listen to and until some other band of like can manage to balance like the schlock and like seriousness of it you know it's going to take a lot um but I imagine we'll talk a little bit more on that yeah I mean there really hasn't been um that bands have done songs we know bands have done plenty of songs we mentioned ACDC had done one King Diamond's done a song, No Presents for Christmas. Um, Christopher Lee did a Christmas record a few years ago that like, I've brought this, I've brought this album up and like someone in associated with friends or whatever will bring up like, oh, the Christopher, I was like, no, it's, I'm sorry. Like Christopher Lee's a great actor, but that sounds like him singing over like modern metal sounding riffs. It's a little bit different. It's kind of, it's kind of bland. Like I'm, it's cool to see like Saruman, like, you know, singing these things are like Dracula or Frankenstein. Like that's amazing to see, but it's not this. Yeah. Uh, typo. Great, great rendition of that song. Yeah. Like great tying that in. That's a red water 
depressing Christmas song, but so fitting. Uh, perhaps the best Christmas song ever uh, would be Winter Wonderland, as uh, performed by Ozzy Osbourne and Jessica Simpson. Oh, my that favorite. is that is so fun because he is obviously like I don't know who this woman is. <laughs> the and music I, video I love is Ozzy the Dead. amazing. Uh, he's so good in that. It was prime he just Osbournes. It was prime her yeah. reality show. On a, as of know. recording of this, Ozzy just celebrated his 75th birthday. Yeah, there you go. So we got to wish happy birthday to the Oz man. If that song had been recorded by Black Sabbath in the 70s, Winter Wonderland would have meant something completely oh, different. Yeah, absolutely. They, they did. It's I called like Snow Blonde there, bud. <laughs> um, so I, you know, it seems like the heavy metal genre doesn't necessarily mess with Christmas. Now, the punk genre for sure will. Like, oh, oy bands yeah. have done it for years. Uh, um, I mean, the Kings you name have it. kind of like a punk rock Absolutely. Christmas. The Ramones did a great Christmas track, which we touched on earlier. Um, one of the first Christmas tracks I ever heard from a punk band, obviously, it's much more pop punk. I heard this when I was like 10 or 11. Uh, Blink-182 did a Christmas song that I think is in, uh, it was used in the adverts for, uh, oh, the the Adam Sandler Christmas movie, uh, Eight oh, Crazy Eight Nights. Crazy Nights. Yeah. Eight Crazy Nights. Christmas. Christmas. Mom, again, not a Christmas <laughs> movie, a Hanukkah movie. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> My they mom have said, hats, we don't. My mom took me to see that in the theater. No, she did yeah, I swear to God. Yeah. Was so great. have you watched that in the last uh, I probably, I don't okay. remember. Yeah. Um, I, I have not, seen it. I know. Not really worth watching at it's all. Fine. It's a good watch if you are just tanked. If um, it's on TV, I'd probably throw yeah. it on, but I'm not um, like breaking my leg. I'm, but, I, you know what though? I will say I'd watch that over little Nikki. hundred <laughs> percent. Those are fighting fucking words, sir. Uh, those are fighting words. Um, but to divert from that false information and a bad opinion, uh, the Bleak 182 <laughs> song is called I Won't Be Home for Christmas. Um, and I remember hearing that and was like, this is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, you don't hear like heavy bands really dig into Christmas. Uh, it's usually more centric around like some poppier acts or maybe things that are more traditional in a sense. Um, so again, back to this album, again, it's an outlier. It's it's a weird album that they were just like, let's have fun with this. You know, this is going this might be our final hurrah. Deck the halls, another another traditional standard by yep. Twisted Sister. All a thin Lizzy, right? That's right. All of boys are back in town. Where's he at? <laughs> where's Big <laughs> Where, Mike? Where's he at? Where's Big Mike? We we should for context. We have a friend who loves that song, as we all do. But Big Mike, our good friend, sweet man, uh, loves the boys are back in town. And then the joke for the longest time was that if the song played or if Thin Lizzy played at all anywhere, he would arrive. And there have been multiple occasions. Yes. If I were at a show, I know some of you guys as well, where Thin Lizzy played and Big Mike just showed up out of nowhere. It like, you know, like like Santa Claus himself, bringing joy to all those around him. (laughs) He just shows up out of thin air. It's amazing. Thin you know, air, big, thin Lizzy air. Big thin, Mike yeah. and thin Lizzy is uh, how we went to Dino's for the first time. Yeah. Big, big Mike Be- used to tell us that the D- line Dino's was named after a line in a thin Lizzy song. And he, Mike would say that if you asked them to play thin Lizzy at Dino's, they would play it every time, which I think is been proven to be false but <laughs> <laughs> that's why we went for the first De- time definitely my favorite bar ever 
Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, and this song is also beautiful. Yeah, this is this is a fun track, and it is it is definitely the boys are back in town, like right out the gate. Like there's no mistaking that. That is the riff. The bass riff and the drums are oh, very man. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, it's all in there. Um I also want to say, like, too, like we're we're almost we're at the back end of this record. Uh D's not a bad vocalist at all. He's a good I mean, he's a great rock vocalist, you know. He's he's got charm. Um but I, I've always liked him for his, like, he's got, as you said, he's got a charm to him. He's got kind of a, uh, he's got an aura about him. Anytime you, you see him on screen, you're like, I got to hear what this guy's got to say. I yeah, know charisma. anything. What's that? Charisma. He's got charisma. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I remember listening to Hair Nation a lot. Uh, or no, he didn't do Hair Nation. He had the show. It was a broadcasted show, just heavy, on a regular radio. Heavy Metal Mania. Or, oh, wait. It. No, I'm sorry. He did host Heavy Metal Mania on TV, which was kind of like a maybe a precursor to like Headbangers Ball type stuff. But he also had um, a syndicated radio show, kind of like Alice Cooper's thing. Yes. I remember I was doing like a college visit in like North Dakota and that thing came on somehow randomly. And I was like, this is incredible. And my dad (laughs) turned it. My dad turned it immediately. But yeah, you know, for. You know, for D, you, one thing you can say about D is that, like, he does care, I feel yep. like, about underground music. Uh, I think there's even, he has kind of even, like, a weird uh, uh, fandom of, like, hardcore music, because, I mean, mm-hmm. New York and where you're growing up. So, he he likes a lot of stuff. I, I can't knock him for that. I think his most recent solo stuff has Jamie Josta on it. Um, maybe even the former vocalist of Killswitch Engage, Howard Jones. Maybe even on a couple tracks, uh, corpse grinders on it. I think corpse. You grinders. might. You know what? You are right because we listened to it. We're like, this is perfect. That's right. George Fisher's on it. Um, so like, D definitely keeps his ear to the underground. Uh, that syndicated radio show got me through a lot of like drunken nights in high school. Um, we just drive around, you know, stop somewhere, have a beer, and like Blair, whatever it was on, be it White Snake, be it, you know, be it you know, Twisted Sister, Doc, and whatever it was, it's like, okay, like, this is fun. You know, essentially that's, and that just, two decades later, it's transferred to us sitting in front of a TV, passing a remote back in each other, oh. screaming D as loud D. as we can. D. Uh, moving ahead, uh, the Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting Over an Open Fire. Got a couple more. I mean, these are good. Heavy Metal Christmas, 12 Days of Christmas, uh, probably the most, goofiest schlockiest song on the whole record just to kind of round things out um it's fun i think what's the what's the line in a t- uh, tattoo of ozzy or- a tattoo of ozzy yeah, yeah. yeah tattoo of ozzy the um hearing all the different voices being panned from different sides and being panned d's is dead center but everybody else's is left or right is so so fun like hearing those thick just new york new jersey accents kick in and do all these like do their version of this uh, is so cool. There was a video for this track that I had no idea existed. They did it for, I think a site called gameplay or something. Uh, the, the bands in the regalia D's just in like, you know, his civilian clothes in it. Um, cool song, fun song. Definitely. To me, this is the last track on the record. Uh, and then you end up with that nice little like 45 second track. It's just them saying, singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas in like, you know, just, Full chorus. 
Yeah, that's um, just a bunch of people yelling yeah, in a room. It's it's perfect. Um, One thing that bothered me about the 12 Days of Christmas was they did eight pentagrams. And I just thought it should have been six. Like, why not be six? It's right there. So I always go back to Jeff Foxworthy's Redneck Qu- or Christmas. Uh, and yeah. there's a line in there. It's like four Big Mac tires or something like that. Yeah. Oh my God. And that always comes into my mind. Something like two hunting dogs. Yeah. They did have a bonus track of White Christmas uh, that uh, Eddie did uh, where he sung it in Spanish. And uh, Doro, of course, is on the back- backing vocals on that. But um, yeah, so there was a there's a little bit of a bonus track. I think it was like they may have like re- re-released it or did something later on. But um, how was this received? Well, like kind of Dylan noted earlier, it worked out pretty well for him. It, yeah. It charted U.S. Billboard 200, one, 147. On the 200 chart, uh, top holiday albums, it was at 27. Um, you know, uh, on paper, maybe this shouldn't work. Maybe it, it doesn't make sense for a band to make a Christmas record, a whole record, not just one song. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of people were receptive to it and maybe they were pleasantly surprised. The band basically made this kind of their thing from here on out. They would perform a holiday show annually for like several years. Uh, they even released a, a DVD uh, of them playing at the Starland Ballroom in, in New Jersey. Uh, I like watched a year that. later at me too. And preparation is for this. A lot of fun. Yeah. They were having a good time for sure. And that's like really, yeah, it just seems like maybe all the stresses that maybe uh, kind of, uh, killed the band initially trying to meet expectations of like selling or like kind of outdoing stay hungry. Those are like all gone at that point. Yeah. Like you just want to make a fun record. You just want to be a band and have fun playing music. That's, that's what I get from this record. At least all of the, all of the bullshit that's extra that like kind of takes you away from it is, is nowhere to be found on this record for me. You know, and, and you said it best. In the live performance we watched, they had fun. Um, they You can tell on the record, they had fun putting the record together. They had fun getting... I'm sure there's a bunch of their buddies doing backing vocals on this somewhere. Like, they're just having so much fun doing this, putting it out. You know, um, it came out. It was released in, like, October of 06. Um, it was released on Razor and Tie Records, which has its own weird kind of legacy. Um, you know, it's, it's got a lot of connections to like metalcore bands, hardcore bands, Razor and Tie is known for the kids pop compilations, uh, which are like a kid's version of the now series. Um, I mean, there's, you go and look at that, like that catalog of music. It's such an odd label for them to be put out on, but it also gave them a wide distribution area. Like this album could be bought in Walmart and Razor and Tie cause it had a couple tie-ins with like Christian metalcore labels and stuff and Christian labels and all of that. You had, you know, it could be everywhere. Yep. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the episode that I got this album for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so like anybody that wanted it, you know, most, I would say most of the crowd that were buying this album were probably picking it up at Walmart or picking it up at Kmart at that time. Um, something like that. You know, they weren't, no one was getting all going online, getting the box set for this album. If it existed, uh, it was like, hey, Twisted Sister, I remember them. Oh, it's a Christmas record. It's Christmas time. This will be fun to listen to. Like, it's there. Um, it did it did fairly well for them. I mean, it generated enough of a, 
you know, almost like a resurgence for the band. Like, yeah, they weren't going out doing like arena tours or anything, but they were going out and having fun with this. Uh, and they basically, pro- they probably rolled out their last years of their career quite a bit longer than if they wouldn't have put this record out. That's true. I would agree with you 100%. They, like I said, continued to play this. They would do a show every year. Um, they would, yeah, probably not touring as hard as they would have back in their, you know, at their commercial peak, but uh, they they basically toured up until like 2016 and they ultimately disbanded. They did like a, a 40th anniversary tour called 40 and Fuck It. And yeah. so they just went out, rode off into the sunset. Um, they recently did a kind of one-off reunion show earlier this yep. year at the Metal Hall and Fame. Um, they may... I don't know. There's some articles floating around that they might come back next year for some political rallies or something like that. I'm not really, I don't know too much about that, but yeah, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about that. Um, I do know that we're not going to take it has been used in many, many, many political things. I believe Trump used it. And I think D went after him. Got sued. Uh, He got his ass sued. He sure did. (laughs) Um, D went after him, but also like, Austin, I know you and I watched the recent Arnold Schwarzenegger documentaries on uh, Netflix. Yeah, D was in and it. I was so D shy. was in it because during Schwarzenegger's like uh, <laughs> campaign, he used "We're not going to take it." Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's and funny. D was like, I, I would allow like, him to do it. He was like, he just popped out of nowhere, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the <laughs> the, Leo the, the, the DiCaprio thing. <laughs> it's yep. this. Hearing this record made me go back and like listen to Stay Hungry. Um, made me appreciate that record more than just for the two hits. Uh, this band was fun. Um, this band didn't have like... They were just playing rock and roll. I mean, they started out in like the early 70s and they were more kind of a glam band at that point. Uh, influenced by like Bowie and the New York Dolls. Uh, which is where I'm sure a lot of their stage gear came from. Uh, and then they formed into this more hard rock leaning thing. I think when D Snyder joined um, because he could hit notes and, and all sorts of stuff. And it's just a fun band. And I think deep down, yeah, they took it serious. They took it as a career choice, but they still were like, we can have fun with this and do it. Like even the stories about them selling out, like uh, whatever the theater is in New York uh, of 3000 people with no label backing, nothing. They sold it out on their own before they were signed, before they had a major label or major label deal, anything, 3000 people. Like they did that just out of like word of mouth, um, hardworking band. They worked hard till the end. Uh, obviously the nineties and the late eighties were tumultuous for bands of this ilk and heavy metal in general. Uh, but you reunite in the early two thousands and your last record's a Christmas record. As you said, it's not, that shouldn't work. That shouldn't, that should not, that should be like, going down in flames. That should be the worst thing you could think of. And it's, it ended up being pretty fun and a pretty joyous sounding record that you can put on and go, this can sit in the background while we're all cooking and someone's going to laugh or someone's going to have a good time or someone's going to go, did they just reference Ozzy in the 12 days of Christmas? Like just, just a fun record. Um, I I could talk all day long on Christmas and this, what I want to know is like, Austin, I know you've listened to it, but Swindle, I don't think you've ever listened to it other than when we started prepping for this episode. So what did you think overall of this? I kind of, I don't really like or dislike Christmas music. I, 
if I hear more than three Christmas songs, I don't hear anything. It's just like noise. I like I couldn't after about three Christmas music, Christmas musics, I don't actively listen to any of them. It's just right. Uh, uh, hum after that. Uh, so. Not actively listening to this album, it kind of like. Lends to that, right? If unless I'm like sitting, like not doing anything, just like staring in, at a wall, if I'm like doing something, it, I just like kind of got lost in the album and it would be over before I like realized. Uh, but it is fun. It's kind of like um, while y'all were talking about all the like song references, I was like, um, it's kind of like uh, listening to a song and hearing like a sample from a rap song or mm-hmm. like something a rap song references from like the 70s or 80s. You're like, it's like a like a hidden gem. To, it's like a like, tribute. Yeah, like something that you're not like something that you just get out of nowhere. It's kind of a fun album to do that, like to try and find all the references and like try and find all the songs that they're paying tribute to. I think I think you have a good point. It is something that you can get lost in and it's it helps maybe it's like a backdrop for the setting of just like getting together and being around people you care about and, you know, what what the holidays are all about. But now it's got distorted guitars. What are you fights? (laughs) So it's it's great. It's great that you say fights, because like anytime I see any sort of family conflict, I put on like Lemmy's version of Run Run Rudolph. It's like (laughs) got to go. It's a good record. Highly recommend checking it out. I'm glad we talked about it for our Crimbus episode. But before we go, we should talk about things we've been listening to as of late. Uh, I just got one this week. Um, at the time of recording this, it just dropped today. Carceral Warfare, the new record by uh, Jarhead Fertilizer, which features both current and former members of Full of Hell. Uh, really fun death grind record uh, that just dropped. And uh, it's out now through Closed Casket Activities. I like this band because they also do kind of the Magruder grind thing where there's just like a ton of samples and they're really like bleak and dark. And I mean, it's uh, the themes of this record are obviously very uh, bleak and from what I understand, very personal in uh, maybe some of the members uh, background and growing up, but it is a, uh, I've been enjoying it so far. It's a disgusting record. I think this band's also like very heavily influenced by, you know, bands like dystopia. I mean, the, I think the literal, the literal name of their, um, it's the font and I think it's like named after a dystopia song. So, uh, World warfare, I think they're on tour right now. Um, so check them out if they are coming to a city near you and, uh, the record's out now. So hell yeah. So I've only got a couple things this week. Uh, the first comes off of vitriol's newest album, suffer and become that will be releasing on Citri media records sometime in early 2024. Uh, we've talked about this band a little bit, a couple older episodes, uh, but their newest single, uh, Weaponized Loss, is perfect. It is violent sounding death metal. It is a dense mix. Uh, I have listened to this when I have done my cardio the last few days, and it is intense shit. Um, I don't believe they're currently on tour, uh, but I am assuming that they'll be going on tour in 2024. Um, Give this album a give this album a check out when it comes out. Uh, check these singles out. 
Uh, they had another single that came out about a month ago called The Flowers of Sadism. Uh, and it kind of mirror the band sound kind of mirrors like Nile, Hate Eternal, uh, all those really dense sounding death metal bands. Um, and the second thing I've got is a deathcore band called Psycho Frame. Their EP dropped today. The EP is called Automatic Death Protocol. Um, this band has been known the last couple of years to release these really limited pressings through a uh, company called Wax Vessel. Uh, and the shit sells out quick. Um, they have released, they released an EP last year. That's kind of the, uh, part one of this. Uh, I mean, there's a song title on here, uh, that's called the plot to nuke the Midwest, which I heard that was like, I gotta listen to this shit. This just sounds too fun, but, uh, give that, give that a listen. It dropped today. I have a couple wrecks. The first one is, uh, bandmate and friends. Kale and Casey, their band Baby Chips. I just saw them yesterday at the time of recording. Uh, I think at the time of recording last Friday, they put new music on Spotify and probably Apple Music and shit called Demos, but there for some reason is an apostrophe in front of the S. Uh, There's no physical release. It's kind of like alt rock. Uh, They have a synth in there. I love everybody in that band. Uh, and my other rec is from 2021, a hardcore band called Certe. Uh, they were dead forever and they got back together in 2020, I guess, 2020 and released a record in 2021. Uh, I really like, especially the back half of that album. The first half's good, but I really get into it, uh, when the song like bats starts to roll in. I like that record a lot. I didn't I didn't realize they'd put out anything new. Their first like bunch of like seven inches and stuff that they released years ago was really cool. Yeah, yeah. There's still uh mixing all kinds of punk. There's grindy shit yeah. and power violent shit, and there's some that is like normal punk hardcore stuff. It's good stuff. Everybody's getting back together. Orchid. Yep. Uh I saw maybe even like have heart potentially uh oh, doing some stuff Lord. again i i don't know if the yeah. that is not you know uh that's not uh uh for sure thing but i did hear some murmurs of potentially that some social media gossip or whatever but yeah everybody's like getting back together and doing it's the so, little some one-off shows botch you know all the bands it's so wild like in the mid to like in 2005 or 2009 when i was like getting into all these weird fucking punk bands i would have never dreamed like no one in 2009 ever thought orchid was ever going to play another show in the history of music so it's just weird that like in fucking 2024 orchid's playing shows again yeah i've been busy i mean it's not like any of those guys aren't busy like will is will comesworth like doing like dead air studios and stuff and, and and what he's in a number of projects still so yeah, it's and cool. Jerome Jerome's Dream. Yeah, Jerome's Dream put, put out a record this year. Yeah. Yeah, they were broken up for fucking ever. Yep. Who would have ever thought they would have gotten back together? Um, did City City of Caterpillar also put out a record this year? I don't know if they were broken up, but... Um, I think so. Yeah. Wild stuff here on Riff Worship. Uh, those are our recs for the week. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a terrific holiday. Uh, go chug some eggnog. 
go light the Yule log. Uh, Dylan, uh, be sure to buff that head of yours before the big Christmas dinner. Uh, for myself, Swindle and Dylan, you've been listening to Riff Worship. We'll be back next week. Uh, I think we're going to be tying up our, yep. you know, our last episode of 2023, maybe talking about some of our favorite records. Stay tuned for that. But until then, see ya. Fight your family. <laughs> Fight everyone in your family. Fight them all. Bye. <laughs>